3: Welcome! Thank you so much for joining us on this hump day. It's Wednesday, August 5th. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Our producer, Jax, is in studio. I can't believe it's uh, already Wednesday of this week, but at the same time, I did kind of have a tough time getting out of bed.
4: Jax? Yes, same for me on this hump day. (laughs) I don't know. I just... Maybe it's this hot, muggy weather.
3: In San Francisco, it's been this like kind of weird. It, it, it's cloudy. There's supposed to be a
4: thunderstorm soon, but it's still really hot uh, and in humid. For me, I'm subletting a room and I'm sleeping in someone's tiny twin bed, (laughs) and I'm six feet tall, so maybe that actually makes it easier to get up because I'm not comfortable. Yeah,
3: yeah, okay, you you win. (laughs) So let's just be happy that it's Hump Day. Let's start off with some news today, some gay news. That's what I used to call it in uh, you know my previous days or previous shows. So let's go back and call it that. Gay news. Gay news. I like that. (laughs) Some headlines today. So um, you know, just because. uh, uh, we're both lesbians who like to talk about lesbian things. Kristen Stewart, uh, the uh, famous actress from the Twilight you know, series. Um, she's been in the news lately. Even in mainstream news, there's rumors that she's dating her personal assistant, who is female, uh, Alicia Cargill. And so the mainstream media has just been kind of saying, oh, it's so cute. They're holding hands. They're such close friends. And today best friends best friends yeah today uh, on the advocate front page you know they call it out for what it is it's a same sex relationship and i thought that that was kind of weird i think that i think that outing even in the most subtle ways is kind of um
4: i don't really like it i you know i don't either but uh, a while ago, I read that her mom had outed her. Is that true? She
3: may have made a comment and then, re- uh, you know, retracted. retracted yeah. You know, probably her daughter got back. <laughs> I just say that if Kristen Stewart hasn't publicly come out to say that this is the relationship that she's in, um, I, I don't know. I don't think that we're at a place to, you know, judge her or, or try to uh, call her out, no. even if you're the advocate.
4: <laughs> the only person that should be doing the outing in any situation is the person who right want, right doesn't want to come out or does.
1: Right.
3: I mean, I have my own personal opinions, and my personal opinion is that uh, yeah, she would make a great lesbian, <laughs> <laughs> super attractive, yeah, super attractive. She's kind of always had that swag, you know. When we've I,
4: always hoped,
3: we, yeah, right, right. Now you're going to get get a kick out of this story, this headline. Um the Chicago Theological Seminary was distributing Second Coming condoms at a pride event uh, or pride
4: Mm. (laughs) festival. (laughs) How to play on words.
3: Uh, But, you know, they're getting some heat for it, obviously, angered some Christians. Um,
4: And, uh, uh, you know. (laughs) Come to Jesus with Seminary Second Coming condom. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to say. Right. Okay. All right. Let's get this. Let's kick. Let's
3: kick off with this uh, great show that we have going on today. The show today is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our guest today is with Sparta Pride. Sparta is a group of LGBT people who uh, serve or have served in the military, and it also includes their families as well as veterans and uniformed allies. And uh, with us today from Sparta Pride is Jacob Eleazer. Jacob, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, great to be here.
3: Thanks so much for joining us. So let's talk, uh, you know, generally about the repeal of... uh, I want to start with Don't Ask, Don't Tell. It's been repealed for a few years now, but how has it impacted the military as well as the LGBTQI community? I mean, especially those who are currently serving. And and even, let's talk about recruitment, how that's even changed.
2: Yeah, so... um Basically, so my role is, I, I'm a chapter leader for the transgender chapter of SPARTA, um, but I also am a researcher on the civilian side. So I work, um, I work as a researcher uh, for the Palm Center, and part of the research that I'm doing is qualitative interviews with transgender military service members about their experiences. And when we asked specifically about the impact of Don't Ask, Don't Tell on their experience, um, for the most part, people responded, it didn't have much of any impact at all. Um, so some of the, you know, it's for some folks, um, you know, a lot of times, um, as I'm sure you all have probably discussed on your show before, folks get profiled um, and labeled as LGBT individuals, usually based on gender performance. Mm-hmm. And so one of, the, one of the struggles that folks have been facing after the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell is the increased scrutiny on gender-based dress and behavior, uh, for service members so rather than picking on folks for being gay or lesbian or bisexual they find other means of doing that and that's come into some of the uniform regulations so new standards for hair require women to have a certain length of haircut um you know regulations specifying the wear of makeup by men these sorts of things and so in a sense it's almost been a heightened level of scrutiny for folks who fall into that gender nonconforming or transgender Um, Or any any sort of gender diverse individual.
3: Since you brought it up, I mean, you know, just uh, listening to you, it's uh, I have a ton of questions about that. But let's go straight into you know transgender service. Obviously, we know that there is no policy that allows for transgender service members to serve openly. However, it's been reported uh, by the Secretary of Defense recently, or you know, some time ago, that a working group is actively working on making that happen, do we know the uh, status of that and if it's actually happening? I, I mean, so many people are talking about uh, this actually happening.
2: That is correct. So um, folks have been, you know, our organization has been working on this for quite a while, uh, quite a while now. And if you had asked me even three years ago if this would even be possible, I would have laughed in your face, to be, to be quite honest. so I'm, um, I'm a transgender man. I've been serving in the Kentucky Army National Guard for about the past, eight to nine years now and it it's been a it's been a fight
3: mm-hmm. and
2: very much like lgb people under don't ask don't tell it's you know you have to keep your entire life segment and separated and so some of those narratives are really really very similar to those of lgb service members the thing that's different for transgender service members is that you know that that silent service not only impacts um their personal lives and causes Stress and impacts their families, but it also has an incredible impact on their access to medical and mental health treatment, um, and particularly in, in that in transition. So, we have um, service members who are now, um, you know, we they can't kick us out, but the military hasn't quite decided what to do with this in the meantime. So, until the policy review has been, or the results of the policy review has been published, the situation of trans services members right now is kind of mixed messages, right? Is it safe to come out? Is it not safe to come out? Um, maybe my command knows or has started investigating me. What are my rights in this process? What can um, what can my commander do to me? Um, one of the things that people are struggling with is, you know, as soon as you are identified as being a transgender person, it initiates a separation process. And once, you, and once the separation process has been initiated, they flag you, which means that you cannot be transferred or... Um, you know, you, you can't be transferred and you're not eligible for any sort of favorable action while you're in that process. And so, the current the current policy that got issued was, you know, wasn't, you know, all of a sudden trans people could serve now, it's we are going to hold these cases at the level of the Pentagon. And so, what's happening is those individuals have had the separation process initiated, yet, um, you know, no guidance has been given to those commanders on how to treat those cases. And so... If a service member happens to be in a command environment that is not welcoming and not accepting, and they're getting harassed or they're experiencing discrimination, um, they've not been able to transfer out of those units, um, and then the commanders aren't processing the discharges either. So it, you're kind of, you're kind of trapped in a bad situation. Stuck, yeah. So um, that's not the case for that's not even that's not the case for all or even most of the service members that we've worked with. Um, it is something that, that in terms of things that we're concerned about right now, is definitely on the radar. Um, for the most part, though, uh, our service members who are out to their commanders uh, have had a very positive reception, and part of this, I think, is because the commanders aren't are just now getting to getting to the awareness that sexual orientation and gender identity aren't the same thing. Um, I know when I came out to my commander, she had no idea that transgender persons were not covered in the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And mm-hmm. so that, that's been a big educational piece for us and for um, our service members' leadership.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's been, it's been a really mixed bag, and, and that's, the, that's the problem right now with the policy is just the level of inconsistency and in how the policy is being executed across the board and how service members are being treated, because as at this point, no, no guidance has is been issued.
3: Michelle Meow we're speaking with Jacob Eliezer Eliezer I gotta say it like a few more times Eliezer 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 <laughs> I just I like it, it sounds like a a, a a character a superhero which I'm sure you are you serve our country uh, with Jacob Eliezer he is with Sparta Pride and um, Jacob, you know, we, we just talked about Don't Ask, Don't Tell and how it's impacted, uh, you know, service members in the LGB and T community. And that's that's kind of like, you know, the question that I wanted to ask was what types of educational programs were actually deployed after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. And it sounds like, you know, it's just kind of been I mean, was there an official program or is there an
1: official program? There was.
2: There was the, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. It was a multi-tiered educational program. Um, they, in fact, delayed the policy rollout. It happened over several months, I think nine months from the time the initial repeal happened to the time that the new policy was officially in place. Um, so there was, you know, like I said, a multi-tiered educational program where m- medical providers, uh, military leaders, unit administrators were all, all, and then the individual service member level, all received different, different levels of training in that process. Um, which, from the research that's been done by the RAND Corporation, has, has seemed to be fairly effective. Um, now, that's not to say that you don't have LGB people out there who are still experiencing discrimination and harassment, because that, that has absolutely been the case. However, in terms of the impact on mission uh, mission readiness and effectiveness for, for LGB service members to be serving openly, it's been... Uh, the just said that there really wasn't any impact at all. <laughs> um, but, however, for those individual service members, there there is a level of um, of fear still, I think, and there's a lot of LGBT service members who are still afraid to come out uh, because, because of the lack of protection. Now, it was just three, maybe four weeks ago at the Pentagon Pride celebration, which is actually a thing now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Secretary of Defense announced that Um, You know, he actually was attending, he attended in person and came out and announced that they're now including sexual orientation as a protected class under our Equal Opportunity Policy, which is great. Um, But they still have not included transgender persons in that. And
3: um, so so we're waiting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Jacob, let's take a quick break right here. But when we come back, I want to continue our conversation and talk about uh, recruitment and and kind of how that's also changed since Don't Ask, Don't Tell has been repealed. So stay with us. Yeah, sure. The Michelle Mialle Show continues right after this. Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say, I do. Especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW.
5: Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to progressivevoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. Progressivevoices.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community.
1: And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome
3: back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this hump day. I'm Michelle Meow, your host, Jax. Our producer is in studio on the phone with us is Jacob Eliezer. He is with Sparta Pride. Sparta is a group of LGBT people who are currently serving or have served in the military. And also the group includes their families and veterans and uniformed allies. Before the break, Jacob and I were talking about how Don't Ask, Don't Tell has has impacted uh, service members who are currently serving, who have served in the past. I wanted to, I brought up uh, recruitment earlier, Jacob, and so I was wondering, since Don't Ask, Don't Tell has been repealed, uh, you know, has the military openly uh, gone out to try to recruit more LGB, uh, maybe even T, service members?
2: Not the T, but the LGB, certainly. Um, You know, there was a lot of of media attention around recruiting on universities who had um, policies in place that, we you know, we're not had non-discrimination policies in place on their campuses, and I think particularly in Harvard, they they outlawed military recruiting on campus for a long time because of their uh, the ban on LGB service. So um, that's now that resumed after the after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, and there's been uh, military recruiting events happening at Pride events across the nation. I, you know, was just at the local Pride a few years ago after the repeal and saw a military recruiting, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a Marine Corps recruiting table there, which was
3: uh, really interesting. It's it's Um, interesting. (laughs) Okay, good. Good. Because, you know, my feelings are, I mean, until the military openly, you know, has a policy that allows for our trans brothers and sisters to serve, uh, openly, that is, you know, I just don't, I don't know how I feel about the military uh, recruiting the LG and B. And I think that, you know, the kind of um, activism we saw to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, I wish that we had that same response, you know, for the transgender community. What are your feelings about my statement?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. But to, to be frank, I, I don't feel... It's, it's just another in a long laundry list of um, ways that the greater LGBT movement is really not considered trans issues in the, in the broader movement, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'd be the last person to take away that you know that celebratory air after we have a big win, right? You know when um, the Doma ruling came out, people you know were you know obviously still so upset that we were pushing for marriage equality without um, pushing first for areas where we had greater need, like transgender people who are in prisons, um, LGBT, or specifically trans women of color being murdered, um, these sorts of things. And I agree. I, I think we need to have more uh, more attention in our movement on these issues that are really life and death. Um, that, that said, I also understand that feeling of celebration and wanting to... Um, wanting to feel excited about seeing positive change happen, so I know that um, I know that we have to kind of take our celebrations and our wins, but so we can get them in a world where we have um, so many battles to fight.
3: I, I get that, so, and I, I agree. We do have a lot of battles to fight, and some, you know, have a priority over others. It's just that "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" has been repealed, and I just kind of, you know, feel like the momentum was there. It wouldn't have been that hard. Um, but then again, you know, as a member of the community, it also is confusing to me why we even have the discussion of uh, you know, why we need to review it to begin with. I think that it's it's pretty easy to get this. You know, we have trans service members. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, right. what are, well,
2: let me put that. Let me put that into a little bit of context, right? Okay. So I can understand why these are separate. Um, these were separate pushes because the policies themselves were different. Mm -hmm. So the the ban on LGB military service was passed by Congress, um, which needed a congressional repeal. That's why President Obama didn't take executive action on that matter. It was actually a law passed by Congress. Um, Now, for transgender military service, it's very different because there's no explicit congressional ban on transgender people serving in the military. Those those, um, barriers are written into military medical policy published by the Department of Defense. Um, So essentially, the the policy is that transgender people are considered mentally ill and and therefore unfit for service. And it hasn't been until the publication of the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual 5 by the APA a couple of years ago where that that diagnosis of gender identity disorder has become more nuanced and and there's actually a statement there within Mm -hmm. the, the DSM that says, you know, transgender people aren't inherently psychologically impaired, um, this diagnosis is for gender dysphoria, which is distress related to uh, that experience of feeling uncomfortable in your body. So it's, it's not that all transgender people have this, have this diagnosis now, and that change has allowed for us to begin having this conversation um, within the medical community in the military.
3: Got it. I mean, it makes it makes sense. And I'm not uh, trying to argue that um, at all. I think, you know, again, like it just makes sense in my mind, you know, that we have trans service members and uh, I understand things take, you know, a long time here in this country to reverse. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, you know, what what kinds of things are is the uh, Department of Defense reviewing, when it comes to a policy that would allow for trans service members to serve openly? I mean, what, what are some of the arguments by our military officials that would not want trans people to serve openly?
2: Um, really, to be honest, I haven't. Um, anybody who really has some knowledge and understanding of the issue I've never really heard anybody say that there were going to be major barriers. Pretty much these things have already been figured out by our allies, right? Um, mm-hmm. We're pretty much like the last ones who haven't hasn't gotten the policy change figured out. So we have a lot of places to look for uh, for examples of best practices on this. Um, but it is specifically the medical and mental health regulations that are being reviewed and updated with um, within the context of current psychological and medical research on transgender identity and the transition process. So um, that, that, I think, is, is where we're gonna see the most change in the policy. And so we've kind, of, we've kind of gotten to a point where they're like, okay, yes, we get it. So trans people aren't mentally ill. We cannot kick people out for this reason. And now we're moving on to asking the question, well, how do we handle transition? Um, how do we handle recruiting? How do we handle um, that transition process for our service members? And that's really where the fight's going to be. Got
3: it, got it. Are we going
2: to have a policy like they do in in Great Britain where people have to completely transition and completely transition being defined by medical status? Um, Are we going to cover transition-related care? Um, Are we going to allow people to transition on the job? These are questions that I think Um, have very very good and very simple answers, like I said, that have already been sort of tested and and explored by other services. Um, But the argument, uh, I think, among naysayers or among people who want to drag their feet on this policy, is that, well, the United States is different. We have a different way of doing things. So it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how some of these conversations unfold over the next few months
3: yeah that I mean of course, thank you for explaining that and, and, and it makes more you know sense when you when you put it that way. Um, but at the same time, I do want to say that there are military officials and politicians and leaders here in this country who do support you know trans uh, serving openly, right?
2: Yes, yeah, very much so. I mean we've had I mean, I, I'm not sure how useful it is, but we've had folks in, in Congress trying to bring this up. Um, you know, since, like I said, this isn't wasn't a congressional ban. Um, you know, it's really not something that I think needs to be addressed by by the Congress. But at this point, um, it's nice to know that we have supporters here and we have allies, and I think it does um, send that message to the Department of Defense that hey, you have you have our support as as elected officials, which is always good. Um, I think the President has openly said that he supports the integration of trans people who are openly serving. Um, the Secretary of Defense, um, heads of, of different branches, like the Air Force and the Army made these statements. So um, I, I think really, you know, the, the resistance that we're going to see and as I think played out for Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal is at that middle management level, right? So the individuals who work with our service members, their commanders, their teams, the people who they go to the fight with, you know, Mm-hmm. They know that service member, and that's really what's important to them. I,
3: right, I wanted so. to to follow up on that uh, question as well. Is the D- Department of Defense actually speaking to you know trans leaders uh, regarding this issue, or are they you know reviewing this and huddling it? Do they have someone that we know that's on our side?
2: Um, you know, I I don't think I could answer that, but I know that they have been working. Um, working to make sure that they get this right. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't see from the Department of Defense side, you know, I think a lot of people want to cast this as being this, you know, epic battle between, you know, trans rights and the Department of Defense. And I think the Department of Defense, especially after the, the battle for Jerusalem, Don't Ask, Don't Tell, kind of has, a, has this um, sense of being resistant and being um, intransigent on these issues. But the, the experience, I think, since the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, one thing that that has changed is sort of uh, allowed our leadership to sort of have more open minds about uh, diversity and about the kind of skills that our service members can bring and really who our service members are, right? One of the problems with the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy was that it essentially silenced um, all of our LGBT service members. And so it's really hard to humanize that individual service member when you can't hear their story. And I think that's what ended up changing a lot of minds on, on these issues. Um, and so, I think being able to speak openly, um, now that we have a policy where folks aren't allowed to get kicked out, we do have some folks who are able to come out and speak openly about their stories. Um, and hearing those narratives, I think, is going to be incredibly important for folks putting, putting this into context.
3: Jacob, just a couple more questions for you before we let you go. I think there's, uh, you know, part of us or uh, the uh, or maybe a percentage of the population after Don't Ask, Don't Tell had been repealed that we kind of just said, okay, we won that fight moving on to, you know, marriage equality yeah. and that's all we focused on. Um, I'm wondering about those who had been honorably discharged during the time that uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was in place and if um, – you know, if we know any any numbers or so of of service members who have gone back to serve for the military or, or how their lives have changed.
2: Yeah, um, I don't have numbers for you on that off the top of my head. I, and I'm not sure, honestly, whether I, I'm guessing DOD might be tracking on that. The, mm-hmm. the, what we are able to track are people who have homosexual or transsexual or transgender somewhere that language put in their discharge paperwork. The problem with that is that many individuals, LGBT, and T, are discharged for reasons other than the official policy just so that people can get them out, right? So, um, you know, this, this would be through um, judicial processes or failing to conform to, you know, uh, dress and uniform and, and uh, regulations, um, you know, Giving them repeated bad performance evaluations, whether it's warranted or not, so they can get them out for those reasons, any number of things. So, the the challenge with that is going to be folks who weren't discharged under those policies because they're not really going to have um, a lot of legal backing when they when they decide that they want to come and reenlist or if they want to get their discharge paperwork updated so that it says honorable service on it. That's where that's where it's going to be a challenge. But I know that. Um, those discharges are being are being reviewed and updated. It's just a lengthy and uh, drawn out process, so Got it. they'll they'll find some way to try and expedite that and, and help out. Because I know a lot of folks, it really impacts your employment, and we know that unemployment for trans people is much, much, much worse than it is um, for gender persons in the United States, and that's not enough as it is. So having a dishonorable discharge on your record uh, certainly doesn't help. So, trying to trying to get trying to get that cleared up, I think is probably in terms of order of importance, might be the more uh, might be the more emerging emergent mm-hmm. emergency issue. But um, definitely for folks who want to come back in and sort of getting those uh, discharges corrected, and updated is important as well.
3: And and uh, you know Jacob and just wrapping up and my last you know thought to you I, I, that would be part of the reason why an organization like Sparta is important. It sounds like, yeah, although don't ask, don't tell has been repealed, and although we're making you know some progress regarding the uh, trans policy on serving openly, we still need an organization that can speak for LGBTQ rights, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you're always gonna have people. I mean. Let's be real. The military is a hyper-masculine um, and in many ways misogynistic organization. And I, I say that with, with you know, a lot of love. I love being in the military. I love serving. Um, I love the people that I serve with. But there, are, there is still a culture, um, a, a culture of oppression, I, I think, in the military that's going to be very, very difficult to change. We can see that in a number of issues from women in combat, to uh, challenges the military has recently had with military sexual trauma. Um, but I, I think once we start building these coalitions and start working together to and working not against our military leadership, but with them, coming to them, not here are your problems, but here are some solutions, I think is going to make a much more effective um, vehicle for change within the Department of Defense.
3: Jacob, thank you so much for being with us here on the program and uh, telling us all about Sparta and the work you do. Thank you for for that as well.
2: Yes, and thanks so much for for making space for for this conversation and to talk about these issues. It's very important.
3: You got it. Jacob Eliezer, he's with Sparta Pride. To support the work that they do, please visit spartapride.org. The Michelle Meow Show continues right after this. We'll talk to uh, one of the founders of the very first... Trans Modeling Agency. Don't go away.
6: Um, Just to entertain people and so it seems like that works, you know, I would say the young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity.
1: And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show.
3: Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. It's hump day, you know? It's one of those things. It's, this is the day that's supposed to get you over the week. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Jax, our producer, is in studio. Our next guest, uh, I'm, I'm so excited, actually, by the way. I should probably take a shot at tequila or something. That's how excited I am. He's a great friend of ours. Uh, I've worked with him before. And the last time we spoke on the air, actually, was for his film, What's the Tea? And since then, What's the Tea is on Hulu. It's on Netflix. It's, like, everywhere. And he's also everywhere. And now making headlines, he's the new L.A. director of the first ever modeling agency for transgender models, and that's Apple Model Management. I'd like to welcome Cecilio Ascension to the show. Cecilio, welcome.
0: Hi, Michelle. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. It's so good (laughs) to hear your voice. And then it's like, you know, it's just so crazy because here you are. Just making news all over again, but like in a in a very big way. You've got so many huge projects, and I know you're here to talk about Apple model management. But you know, yeah, our listeners have heard you before when you uh, discussed what's the tea. Since then, what have you been up to? <laughs> you
0: know, everything. You right? Know, it's just been it's been great. Um, was that he had a great run and then got for distribution. Then I did my dance documentary, Seau, which is doing the rounds now. I just got back from the Northern American, Filipino American conference in Kentucky and we screened there. And really right now I'm focusing with Apple Model Management being their new uh, director of development with the Transgender Board. Yeah. It's been exciting.
3: It's It's super exciting. I mean, you know, obviously during a time like right now where trans issues are at the forefront, I feel like you can't, you know, turn on the news without hearing something about the transgender community. Uh, And here you are doing something incredible in working with transgender models. Talk to us about, you know, kind of how you got uh, involved in that.
0: You know, it's just been really great. I heard about Apple Model Management a year ago. Uh, with Noam Lev and the owner of the agency Apple in Thailand and they're really the first in the world um, to have a transgender board. Since it was in, you know, they established the agency in 2002 in Bangkok and they opened the transgender board in 2014 and then we got to talk like, with my, you know, with, with what I've done with the trans community through What's the key, And even working with Tita Ida at um, Trans Drive and all those things and it was really such a good fit to work together because mm-hmm. it's a long time coming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And and Apple model management is really, really the forefront when it comes to this because why not? Why not have transgender models? Transgender models have always been around. You right. know, there's there's David Saint Laurent, there's Caroline Cossy, and you know even Candy Darling, who was a muse, and I really just always felt that they never reached their full model potential because of the stigma of the community at large. and now things are changing, and now's the time
3: right, right, right. It, it's almost like it's celebrated every time we hear the news. a uh, you know trans person is is you know doing big things like this and and on the cover of some huge magazine. and right there in L.A., I mean you're 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 at the heart of it. You're going to be at the center of where, you know, Fashion and uh, big right. brands are looking for it, and so that must be extremely exciting.
0: It really is exciting, and Michelle, you know, even like even as you know, you and me as friends, where we can't say an air that we've had drinks. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> fine. It's okay. fine. I'm <laughs> like we would discuss that. You know, you and I basically have the same trust of. Let's go and get to know each other within the LGBTQIA umbrella. And then, basically demand from the community at large for true acceptance, because we have to know each other. We have to help and elevate each other. You know, fashion is one vehicle that I feel like it's all gays and lesbians who are a lot, You know, there's a lot of us in the fashion industry, so why not help our trans brothers and sisters? you know they have the capability they're gorgeous and you know why not why not help each other
3: this is why i love you so much i mean i you know we're talking very candidly about support within our own community and and that's the lgbtqi community and and it, and it's not a secret that you know not always has the L, the G, the B, and, and the T have all come together in this way. And as a gay man, you have always been extremely supportive of the transgender community. Uh, you know, if we could go back and, and just kind of briefly talk about that, uh, you know, did you have somebody that was close to you that that was transgender that you feel uh, you wanted to support or, or it's just kind of always been this way for you, right?
0: No, it's always just been, I've always just, really had a strong affinity towards people. I love people. That's why I started being a documentary filmmaker. And I I just am passionate about getting to know people in general. And I have lesbian friends. I have gay friends. I have trans friends. I'm sure I have bi friends. They just haven't really told me. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> have you slept with any of them
0: <laughs> not, I'm too busy I haven't slept <laughs> <struggled> with anyone
3: <laughs> well I, I, I that? that might change in LA though that should definitely oh. change in LA
0: well now now I'm not sleeping with anyone nor am I eating <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, no I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you but, but yeah I mean you know not a lot of gay men um, it, it, when it's not in the context of like You know, if you're like this big uh, celebrity or something, right? When it's just in our community, it seems to be so difficult to come out and support trans women or the trans community.
0: Yeah, and I always found that strange because it's like, why? But because the thing is, like, great. I didn't have any trans friends up until what this became, and I didn't want to do the documentary cold, like, just (laughs) do an online casting and that's it. I really did my homework and I put in the time and the work and getting to understand and but that being said from like a really clinical point of view it's not like you learn the basics and all that and that everybody falls under this sweeping generalization Everybody's still pretty different you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and i think that's it it's like if you start from the grassroots of just like expanding your circle of friends and getting to know them you know once you take out the element of how different we are under that umbrella we still all have the same aspirations we still all want the same thing
3: right yeah we're all we're all human if you believe yeah. it or not
0: um for the most part
3: right <laughs> <laughs> except those who are now living in la no I'm just kidding because oh my god yeah you you moved from San Francisco to la and uh, you know was it for Apple model uh, agency model management I'm sorry
0: yes that's correct yeah it's, it's, it's for that it's you know it's You know, San Francisco will always be home, and Mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere. And you know, it's it's an hour and a half flight away, so I'm just here. I (laughs) love the way you think.
3: I love the way you think. In in wrapping up our conversation, I want to go back to uh, Apple model management, especially the LA branch that you're now heading as the director. Um, Have you signed any new models?
0: We actually have signed right now. We have eight models, and we're currently um, we're doing callbacks everybody who's applied, they should be receiving an email soon. It's been a like huge, huge turnout of applications, and it's really great. And, you know, it's it's overwhelming, but it, it's, I think we're making strides. And even, and, and more importantly, um, true allies are coming and wanting to see the models and, and you know, booking them. Nice. So that's what's really important. And then, you know, so all the local brands and, and even the big brands, it's all the We should all get together because this is how I see it. Even like the commercial brands, for example, like Target, you know, you see those images of a woman pushing a cart, looking really happy because she bought dishwashing liquid. (laughs) If you take that picture and you have a trans woman or a trans man pushing the cart, looking happy, who cares what gender they are? They're right. beautiful, and that's what we should be celebrating. That's what we should be doing.
3: I love it. I love it. I love your enthusiasm for just uh, <laughs> us being our authentic selves. Uh, that was my next question, actually, I was going to ask before we let you go. Uh, you know, trans male models are also being recruited? That's correct. Awesome. That is so yes. cool. That is so cool. Yes. So,
0: and we've been getting applications for trans men as well, and that's really great, too, because it's, you know, it's it's really about, it's really about being able to be represented by a company who knows everything about you and is proud of you. Because once you're proud of yourself, you get, you get the best work. Wouldn't you want to go to work with no secrets? You know what I mean?
3: Right. Exactly. That's how it should be. And maybe everybody should be able to have uh, the uh, be afforded, you know, the right to go to work and be exactly who they are. Cecilia, we're winding down on time. I'm so sorry. I mean, I I feel like we're just catching up. Um, (laughs) I need to get myself out to L.A.
0: You do. You do.
3: Uh, I had a great time having you on. if people, you know, they want to support your your work and, and all that, should they hit you up at the modeling agency?
0: Yes. there's. Um, if you go to the website, applemodels.com, and if you're interested in being a model, um, send an email to me at Cecilio at with your photos and all of that fun stuff.
3: You got it. We'll also post that information <laughs> up on our website. Cecilio, I miss you lots, but I'm super I proud, and uh, it's thank just such you. an honor to, to continue to watch you know, all the great things that you're doing that affects our community. So thank you.
0: And thank you so much for always being so supportive, like, for real.
3: <laughs> you got it.
0: <laughs> go
3: go, e- go either have sex or eat something.
0: Oh,
3: Or both. <laughs> 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 or both. <laughs> Cecilio C- uh, Sanchez, and everyone, he's a filmmaker and now the L.A. director of Apple Model Management. We'll post that information up if you're interested in applying for being a model. Don't go away. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jax and I will wind down the show. Maybe, I don't know, play some lesbian music. <laughs> Come back.
1: Ted Olson and David Boies came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. Download our free app in iTunes and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face to face with today's thought leader. And now back to the Michelle Meow show.
3: Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us today on this hump day Wednesday, August 5th. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. Jax our producer is in studio. Had, had a trans fast trans tastic day. <laughs> trans fast? Yeah, I fastical. was trying. I was yeah, trans I was trying to do fantastic and trans at the same time. That didn't come out too smoothly. Oh, you but could
4: be onto something there. Transtastic.
3: Yes. And we talked about...
4: Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: we discussed, you know, trans in the military. It's just, um, I get it. You know, there's process and uh, bureaucracy and paperwork and policies and things in place here in this country. And it takes time to make things move. Um, and uh, in, in, in kind of looking back, I'm, I'm very glad that Jacob was was able to explain to us you know that that uh, there has to be some thought behind it so hopefully that won't take longer than necessary um you know to allow trans people to serve openly i just think that uh, any well what do i think i think that uh, anyone who wants to serve this country should be able to serve
4: i agree i i do <sighs> I don't know how I feel about the military. Uh, I think that overall it might be kind of this corrupt thing, but the soldiers themselves are these great individuals. Mm-hmm. My brother's leaving for the navy in two months, so I've like really had to like look at it and how do I feel about this? Is this the first time
3: he's being deployed?
4: He is leaving for boot camp. He just oh. joined. He's joined on his twentieth birthday.
3: So now you're uh, you're a newbie military family. Yes. And uh, that must be pretty difficult.
4: Yeah, I had a hard time with learning that he was going to do that. But it's this weird mixture of pride and then why? Why are you doing doing this? Why are you choosing to do this? But what it comes down to is he wants to be honorable and he wants to be this really good person. So anyone who wants to do that, whether they're gay or transgender or straight, they should be able to. I don't understand why they wouldn't want people that are passionate about serving their country not to serve
3: right right and uh, and who's to judge you know character based off of gender or sexual orientation yeah, and exactly race or class and you know because well you and I probably uh, well actually you would you would be better at holding a gun but uh, no. No? No, no me neither. Yeah. I've never <laughs> held one before. I
4: haven't either. I've been yeah. offered to and I was like, no. Yeah.
3: And even boot camp in a sense of like exercise. Oh, I um. would not make it. I can't
4: <laughs> <laughs> I can't be
3: yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm saying is that there it takes that special person to one want to go. And then, you know, persevere through all of the types of trainings and the things that they have to do in order to protect this country. And so the least that this country can do is afford them that right to do that as well as treat them with dignity and respect. Um, although, you know, in my readings in, in terms of military culture, it, it doesn't seem to be too friendly to women and, no. uh, you know, obviously what Jacob had discussed, gender non-conforming service members. Um, I I wanted to ask him, I didn't get a chance, but, like, I wonder if the military is even thinking about, you know, uniforms. And now that we may be looking at, you know, the diversity of those who serve in this country, you take a butch lesbian, you know, and uh, who serves in the Navy or something, you know, she's not, not – she may choose to not be in a skirt, although – Maybe to service members, it's just a uniform. Um, not that a skirt always is, you know, feminine, but yeah, but think about that, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I certainly can't put my hair in a bun for a lot <laughs> of the women who do do that in the military. Uh, so if I served, it would be a crew cut <laughs> straight up. I'm picturing it now. <laughs> or just bald. Um, so, you know, that was very interesting. So we're really, really happy that Jacob stopped by from Sparta. Uh, and also the excitement of an all-trans modeling agency. I think it's appropriate, you know, and it fits with what's happening in today's time. Um, at the same time, I, I like that Cecilio, being a gay man, is advocating for workplace rights for transgender models. Uh, you know, I think trans people have been in modeling for a long time and used as, you know, a picture of what a woman's supposed to look like or what a man's supposed to look like. Uh, And uh, I think that what he's doing is commendable, for sure.
4: It's interesting to think about the advertisers that would use these models. Mm -hmm. Is it because they want passing as a woman, passing as a straight woman in the advertisement? Are they being, you know, are they all going for this whole, the modeling industry where it's the tall, skinny woman? Right, is that what they're supposed to be passing as or are they going to be like owning it and owning who they are?
3: You know, I'm not very knowledgeable in the whole modeling and fashion world, the women and men that work <laughs> in we that world sit here in our
4: flannels. <laughs> yeah,
3: I know. They scare me. I and mean, when I watch Devil, the devil wears Prada, I ex- I imagine exactly that. It's just that's yes. what it's all yes. about is the look. And if you look at some of the top models, um, in the world, someone like a Giselle Boonkin or some of those Victoria's Secret models and Cara Delevingne, who we talked about, you know, last week, their features aren't exactly extremely feminine.
4: No, it's more of this androgynous, and then it's just your haircut. It's right. It's this, you know, that jawline and the cheekbones and...
3: Right, you know some gender bending, um, you know non conforming models that haven't haven't exactly made it mainstream. Like someone like Rain Dove, and I know when Pajic, uh, Andrea Pajic Andrea um, Pagek, you know started out uh, started out as a, as a as an androgynous model. Um, you know, and it's, I seem to think that in fashion they, they kind of like the blend and bend and kind of play, and it's it's artistic in that way. Uh, but at least with a, an all trans model management they they can their managers can do that which is press for more work for them um so i'm hoping that that's the case is that they, they get a fair shot because uh, in looking at the pictures the apple model uh, you know agency they they have extremely beautiful models who really do look like models and not like starving sticks and i shouldn't say things like that That's not very body positive of me as a woman. Uh, However, I just have my thoughts around some of the uh, more, you know, Euro Euro models who, um, uh, you know, just kind of look that way. I
4: mean, there's (laughs) certainly been controversy about the eating habits and the...
3: Yeah, that's, 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 that's just a whole nother show. <laughs> that's just another show. And uh, we certainly do have another show for you tomorrow coming up at uh, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We'll talk about... You know, some incredible things. The television show, I do want to remind all of our listeners, we do produce a television show a monthly one here in San Francisco for Coffee TV. So while it airs on a local station, I will always post the show on the website at michellemiao.com. And uh, the most recent one you probably haven't checked out that we'll post soon is one with Laverne Cox. And we caught up with her very quickly after the unveiling of her wax figure. But also we paired that up with uh, Catherine or Cleary Walters. Um, who's the author of Out of Orange, the, a, a new memoir. And, and she, in fact, is the real Alex Voss. So if you follow Orange is the New Black, you know that Laura Prepon. <laughs> <laughs> people always want to correct me about her last name. And it's like, okay. What, say, how do you say it? Uh, some people say Prepon. And then some, I, some people say Prepon. You know, prepin, Prepon. Well, you know, that girl plays a character called Alex Vaz, uh, who who was the drug smuggler that got Piper in trouble.
4: Did you watch the latest season? No. You know, to
3: be honest with you, I haven't been able to get into it. What? Maybe I didn't hit the good parts yet. I don't know. Uh, when does oh, it... Oh, ha- the,
4: la- the latest season or the show in oh, the general? Oh, latest,
3: the latest season. Okay, yeah.
4: It took about three episodes, so I was like... Really? Three so, or four, like h- halfway through, basically, I was like, okay, no, this, this is good still. This is good.
3: Are you as smitten as everybody else about Ruby Rose? Yes
4: uh, and no. Um, the,
3: the, the, the Australian, beautiful, you know, tattooed up Justin Bieber lookalike?
4: <laughs> I think she's super attractive, but on the actual show, I'm, I mean, I think they could have done more with the character. I don't know how I feel about her acting, but... Well, I she's guess all, nice she, to look at.
3: all she had to do was strip down to nothing except her tattoos. Oh, she's
4: definitely naked in a scene, yes. And that's when
3: the internet just went crazy. I and think so, it stopped. I guess in order for people to listen to this show, I got to strip somewhere in a prison cell, and maybe get some fake tattoos. Although, can't say that I'm going to be, you know, that hot. I'm definitely not, but...
4: <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to act as yeah. your publicist and... <laughs>
3: <laughs> consult you on that thought <laughs> meanwhile talking about trans rights in the military as I'm showering naked in a prison cell
4: <laughs> show intro
3: <laughs> that works follow me on Twitter follow my Instagram <laughs> please please that's right you can do all of that at michellemiao.com thank you so much for joining us here on the program today tomorrow we'll be back at the same time 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time and uh, you guys have a great evening get past this hump day
1: Tune into the Michelle Miao show weekdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern on Progressive Voices.